the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Five oh six on the Central Coast. It's Thursday, December fourteenth, two thousand twenty-three. Dave Congleton with you tomorrow. Attorney Stu Jenkins is going to join us. John Lindsay is going to give us the details of the big winter storm heading our way. Expected to start on Sunday, I gather. We'll uh, meet a pet. We'll have some pie. It's a Friday show. During the six o'clock hour, Clive Pinder, son of Britain, talks about British royalty and answers all your questions about what's happening, not happening, behind palace doors. This hour, let us talk about the driverless car, shall we? And to do that, that means we also have to talk about Elon Musk. Here's an interview earlier this year from uh, Reuters. Tesla chief executive Elon Musk set new targets for self-driving software. The electric vehicle maker is in early talks with a major automaker to license its full self-driving technology. The value of Tesla vehicles would rise and perhaps, quote, the single biggest step change in history once regulators approved self-driving, Musk said. Uh, turns out he's also a favor, uh, in favor of robots being used on factory floors. Anyway, I want to focus specifically on vehicles. Always good to be in conversation with the one, the only, Dr. Larry Martinez. He joins us now. Larry, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Dr. Dave. How are you, sir? Hey, had a great bike ride this afternoon, and uh, before the big storm arrives, we have to use up all this wonderful sunshine. Yeah, boy, it's been incredible these last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So for people who are not following the issue, Larry, take a minute. When we say driverless vehicle, what does that mean, and how does it work theoretically? Okay, well, uh, when we talk about driverless vehicles, for most of the people in the uh, Dave Congleton listening universe, it's your private vehicle that your family or your business uses. So it could be a truck, a pickup truck, or a larger truck, or an automobile. Uh, and uh, what this means is that there is a certain degree, then, of, uh, let's say, robotic uh, self-management of the vehicle. That is to say, it can manage certain uh, functions of the vehicle without uh, uh, constant driver input or driver uh, regulation of what the vehicle is doing. And uh, uh, this has a long history because it goes way back all the way back to the uh, earlier days of, uh, for instance, aviation, uh, where uh, they quickly developed uh, autopilots for airplanes. The autopilot would use the gyroscope on the airplane and its compass. Later, uh, of course, we have GPS, the global positioning system, and uh, the autopilot then uh, uh, can counteract what would be a mistake by the pilot if the pilot used, uh, let's say, their own human um, 
uh, let's say, sensory inputs, you know, like the way you feel when you're out, when you're going around a turn, when you feel going down, going up, and so forth. This is all very misleading. And in fact, there's a great article by a fantastic writer, uh, and his name is William Langawishi. And this article appeared uh, about 15 years ago in The Atlantic, and it was all about uh, what a huge advance it was to have autopilots and gyroscopes in airplanes, because before that, airplanes would crash if they went into a cloud, because the pilot lost all sight of the horizon, Hmm. the sun, all objects or uh, landmarks, and uh, you can go into a turn in an airplane and not realize that you're in a turn. And the autopilot uh, uh, eliminated all those dangers uh, for the most part. And so uh, if it works in the air, and we now have uh, jet airliners that we all fly on that are controlled completely uh, by computers. I mean, if, the, if they want to, they can fly them by computers. We have a war going on right now uh, between Russia and Ukraine where the two sides are shooting at each other, uh, autonomous drones. So these drones uh, are the latest iteration of a technology that uh, began with cruise missiles, and especially with the development in the early 1990s with the global positioning system, that is navigation satellites that covered the entire Earth. And so uh, we now have the point where uh, you know, in this theory that I constantly uh, go back on, which is the theory of declining transaction costs. And so it's one thing to put an autopilot in an airplane, but that's a very expensive uh, piece of machinery, and the autopilot's very expensive. But with the advancements in computers and all of the uh, infrastructure that we now have, such as the global positioning system, it now becomes with declining transaction costs to put a technology into an everyday device such as an automobile that replicates on the ground what the autopilot does in the air for an airplane. And so this is where we are now at, is where it is now technologically possible with the advancements in computers and we can go into, you know, all of the accelerating, uh, let's say, advancements in the ability of both the hardware uh, of, of cramming more and more uh, transistors onto these chips. So you have billions and billions of transistors on a piece of silicon, along with the software that replicates supposedly for a vehicle on the ground what autopilot does for an airplane in the air. And uh, are we there yet where, and here's where the test comes in, who are you going to sue if the vehicle on the ground does something you don't want it to do and hurts somebody? Uh, In the air, we have treaties, we have laws, so if an airplane crashes, is that the passengers and their uh, loved ones, they then have uh, legal recourse. And that's all well-developed law. Uh, air, aviation liability law is well-developed. And we have uh, two big cases, for instance, where um, the autopilots or the 
automation software on airliners resulted in two brand new 737 maxes in indonesia and ethiopia of two airplanes crashing uh killing 346 people and uh and so that's going through litigation you know and and uh boeing got a huge black eye for its mcas system which was a type of a uh, automation system in the 737s hmm. now tesla was a uh, you know with its uh, uh, one of its founders uh, Elon Musk wanted to differentiate their product uh, from all the other automobiles by introducing a much more sophisticated uh, degree of self-driving ability of the car, and uh, this went beyond what was uh, now becoming generally available to all car owners because when you go into the dealership and you want to buy a new car one of the big questions is is well do you want the sonar uh, warning system so when you back out in a parking lot uh, that you can't see around the big suv on each side of you it will warn you if somebody's coming along the you know on the sides yep as you back out. And the same holds true for uh, adaptive cruise control. Adaptive cruise control has a, has a type of a radar in front of the car that maintains the same distance between your car and the car in front so that you don't constantly have to be thinking about, well, is they slowing up? Are they speeding up? Um, I can allow the adaptive cruise control to take over for a while. And that can relieve driver fatigue. And uh, and so, right. what we're now at the point of is uh, a completely autonomous car, where you just dial in the address, just like on an on an airliner. On an airliner, they can put the address of the airport that they want to go to, and the airplane will fly there. In Ukraine or Russia, they can put the address in the drone, tell it what block of Kiev to hit. And that drone will go and bomb that, uh, you know, do a kamikaze dive into that uh, target in Kiev. Uh, now, can we do the same with cars? And unfortunately, the terrestrial landscape is far more complicated than the uh, airspace over us. All right. I got to stop you there. Larry Martinez is with us for the hour. We're talking about the driverless car and where we are and what, oh, what. Elon Musk has to do with all this. We'll pick up the conversations. We continue on AM 920 FM 96.5 News Talk KVEC. Glad to have you with us. Always good to be in conversation with Dr. Larry Martinez as we focus on driverless cars. In the first segment, Larry gave us an overview exactly of what uh, constitutes a driverless car and comparing it to airline travel. As we continue with you, Larry, a lot of attention and concern came out of San Francisco. What happened up there with the driverless cars that they were using? Yeah, this was the uh, General Motors test of uh, the cruise cars, uh, cruise C-R-U-I-S-E, and not C-R-U-Z-E. And uh, there was a, uh, a hit-and-run accident where a uh, person was knocked down, and the driverless cruise 
uh, did not recognize the person lying in the street and ran ran them over. And uh, because of that accident uh, and the, of course, the litigation coming up out of this whole thing, uh, is that GM uh, has suspended uh, the crew's uh, autonomous vehicle test. Uh, And so uh, what this illustrates is that uh, there is a real uh, uh, problem with the ability of the sensors on an autonomous vehicle to recognize the incredible variety of things that a vehicle on the ground has to navigate through. And uh, this then uh, uh, leads uh, the regulatory agencies, both both at the federal and the state levels, then to really uh, scrutinize uh, what these uh, regulatory, uh, let's say, uh, parameters should be going forward. Because... um, Okay, let's go back to the big view, Dave. In the big view, what is the major? What is the major cause of accidents, uh, car accidents in the United States? Driver distraction, and driver error. Yeah. Okay, uh, and so driver error is is the big problem. Why? Because the driver is a biological being. Human beings are biological, and we are electrochemical uh, beings and we react emotionally, and we get tired. We take uh, medications that make us drowsy. We take medications that make us hyper. We take medications that uh, do all sorts of things. Uh, We can be mad, sad, happy. There can be kids fighting over a fudgesicle in the back seat, and it diverts your attention, or you're trying to text on your phone, whatever. Okay, there's a million different things. The end result is tens of thousands of people in the United States and other countries die every year, largely due to driver error. Uh, And uh, so the thought is, is that if we eliminate the human being out of the equation, is that we can end up with a much safer roadway system if we have autonomous vehicles where the computers are uh, less likely to take the wrong medication. They're less likely to be uh, aggressive because they're mad at a fight they had with their spouse uh, 15 minutes earlier, whatever, you know. And that uh, we can then replicate on the streets the safety that we have in the air with autopilots in airplanes. Let's put an autopilot then in a car, and this is what uh, Elon Musk uh, had Tesla name its, uh, uh, let's say, uh, its its driver uh, uh, robotic system, and they called it autopilot, Uh, replicating, you know, in the terminology, what we all accept as being a huge advance forward in aviation. Uh, And so the headline in today's L.A. Times is that Tesla is recalling most of its vehicles because it requires a software update uh, that addresses, this is uh, quoting the L.A. Times, inattentive autopilot use. Hmm. Okay. So um, is a uh, self-driving vehicle using this robotic software is it going to make for a safer vehicle, safer than uh, going with the average ability of the human driver, 
if you have uh, this robotic software working. Well, it doesn't work that way because the, uh, and especially with Tesla's, is that Tesla has a specific hardware package of sensors, and they use uh, cameras. This is quite different than other car manufacturers that are in competition with Tesla to also develop self-driving vehicles. They use what is called LiDAR. LiDAR is light detection and ranging, which uses lasers to accurately map the, uh, the, the environment in which the vehicle is going into, whereas Tesla uses uh, optical cameras predominantly. And so these two technologies both have strengths and weaknesses, uh, but uh, the biggest weakness is the human being, because if the software gets muddled in this incredibly complex environment in which these sensors, whether uh, a camera or a LiDAR, they have to decipher what's going on, and a lot of times, and I have uh, a Chevrolet Bolt that has Super Cruise on it. And the thing about Super Cruise is uh, Chevrolet says you can take your hands off the wheel. Once you're on the freeway and the little green light on the steering wheel goes on, you can take your hands off. But you have to remain attentive mm. because, and, and, and this has happened to us, driving the Chevrolet Bolt is that uh, for whatever reason, uh, the Super Cruise shuts off. It goes blue, and then it's or red, and then it's off. And you had better be attentive because you're now, once again, skippering the boat. And, uh, and so this is the problem because the Tesla autopilot uh, promises that they're making to their buyers that this is really a great system and it really alleviates driver fatigue and so forth. It doesn't work all the time. And uh, there are very famous accidents where the sensors on the Tesla didn't recognize, for instance, that a semi-truck trailer was blocking the way and it killed the driver because it attempted to drive underneath the semi-truck. Uh, so this is, uh, this is where the driver has to remain awake and attentive. So other than your Volt experience, have you been in a driverless vehicle? Yes. Yeah. Well, a driverless, uh, um, n not not completely driverless. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm asking. In Germany, uh, this summer we were in a driverless car, but it still had. I mean, it, it wasn't the completely where they take out the steering wheel and the brake pedal and the gas and everything. Uh, but the um, the driver of the car puts in the address, and this is on city streets. All right, let me jump in here, Larry, and we'll pick it up after we come back. We've got California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with Time Saver Traffic and Weather together. Then we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Martinez talking about the driverless vehicle and Elon Musk. This is Hometown Radio.
You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Craig, you're into cars. What do you think about the idea of a driverless vehicle? Uh, I like the eventual idea. I don't think it's all there, but that's part of, you know, the evolution of it is you got to get it out there. I mean, cars were not perfected in 1903. They put things on there that evolved and then went away have you been have you been in one no i have not i haven't been in an electric car either one thing i was thinking though because i keep hearing about this recall and it, it sounds serious it's being reported very seriously this recall almost all the cars but what's interesting is elon musk actually did this thing a couple of years ago and all it is is a software update it's not like the old days where you bring in your car and there's a thing that's going to be you know it's going to kill you or whatever it's just an update like it does to your phone but the uh Whoever controls the, the uh, you know, driving on the roads, I can't remember the name, uh, they said, well, you have to call it a recall. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it was surprising because it's a new technology, the fact that you can modify a car online. So it's a recall, but still, it's just a software update. Let's get a comment. Thank you. Larry, is he right? Well, yeah, the the uh, Craig's uh, completely correct. I mean, the the terminology uh, is uh, when you use the word recall, uh, Craig's right because in the old days it meant you had to physically bring your car to the dealership or some repair station that was certified to do the the work, and then uh, generally it was a piece of machinery, you know, uh, some physical thing that had to be changed or replaced. Today. Uh, you know, uh, how how would you describe the fact that, well, all these vehicles, millions of vehicles, are going to have to have an over-the-air software update? Uh, and so is it a recall? Well, it, you're... you're you're, it's a recall insofar as you have to tell, inform all the owners of these vehicles that uh, their vehicle is going to have this uh, software update, and it may be out of operation for a while because it may take some time for that software update to be uh, uh, implemented. Hmm. Uh, oh, by the way, I meant to give a shout-out to Case and the gang at Community West Bank. I went over there today, Larry. Very, very nice people. Uh, you were talking before the break about your experience in Germany. Let's pick up the story there. Yeah, it, uh, what we're talking about here are the levels of automation. And there are uh, the SAE uh, has five different uh, levels. Of, SAE is a, a standards organization for, um, for automo- automobiles. And so they have five different levels, and each level goes uh, progressively from level one, where the system issues you a warning. So, for instance, um, our cars now issue a warning if the car in front is not moving fast enough and there's a potential for a collision. So a a rear-end collision could be avoided because suddenly there's a red light popping up and a a beeper going off. Then it goes to hands-on levels, so things like cruise control, that's level one. Level two is hands-off, where uh, control of the vehicle for acceleration, braking, and steering is taken care of. And that's that's similar to what we have in the super cruise of our uh, Chevrolet Bolt. Then you have level three, which is eyes-off. And this is where the driver can safely uh, uh, turn their attention to other things rather than driving. You can read a book or something. And then level four 
is this is probably our favorite, which is mind off, where you don't even have to uh, give any attention to the driving. The the car takes care of everything. And uh, level five, finally, is where the vehicle is completely autonomous with no steering wheel even. So this is where in very specific areas of San Francisco, for instance, they were running a test. Uh, so in that specific area, you could have these um, uh, vehicles, uh, and you could see because they had a, um, a rotating unit generally on the roof that was scanning the, the area uh, immediately adjacent to the vehicle. And so you get in, there's not even, there's no driver, nothing, and uh, you, the vehicle takes you along uh, to your destination. Uh, the problem with those is, for instance, is that they weren't quite as fast as you would anticipate because they generally didn't make left turns against oncoming traffic. That's really a big problem for any autonomous vehicle because you think about you're in the left turn lane. You, well, if you're lucky, there's a left turn lane. You may be in the left lane, and there are uh, two lanes coming the other way, and there's a big truck sitting there uh, also wanting to make a left turn, and it's obscuring everything behind it, how is, that, uh, how is your vehicle going to know when it's safe to make that left turn? It's hard enough for the human driver. Yeah. Uh, think about uh, a autonomous vehicle, and it's raining. Uh, this is what got me driving uh, with uh, uh, the, uh, the adaptive cruise control, Adaptive cruise control measures the distance between you and the vehicle in front. We were driving in the uh, Midwest in a big rainstorm at night, and you couldn't see uh, because of all the spray being kicked up by the trucks. But I turned on the adaptive cruise control, and I thought, no matter what the truck does, we're pretty safe because the adaptive cruise control will, will detect when the truck is braking, and then it will slow us down, too, so that we don't uh, pancake into the rear of the truck. Wrong. The rain uh, uh, was so heavy that it made the sensors on the front of our car inoperative. And so it switched off the adaptive cruise control exactly in the moment when you most needed it. I don't mind driving. 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. We welcome your phone calls for Dr. Martinez as he takes us into the world of the driverless automobile. So what are the experts, the pundits, saying about the future of the car and widespread acceptance in this country? It's got to be a ways away yet, Larry. Well, the United States is in a giant race because uh, there are huge automobile manufacturers around the world, and the more more recent ones that are really taking uh, a lot of the technology to new areas are the are China's uh, automobile manufacturers that have adapted the technologies they got from Germany and Italy and France and the United States and Japan. And they're putting it into uh, what is the biggest market for automobiles in the world, which is China. And so uh, the Europeans are also uh, following very closely what Tesla is doing and General Motors and Ford uh, in trying to develop those things that make their automobile uh, products more driver-friendly 
And these are features then that prevent the car from being commodified. Because remember, what is everybody trying to do? They're trying to make money. Let's take a call. We got Bill and Grover. Hey, Bill. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, I have a, one modern vehicle uh, that has all these sensors and driver assist, whatever you call it, the braking stuff. I don't drive it very much. I also have a 1928 car. And, you know, on long distances, like from here to Austin, Texas, the driver assist functions on a nice day are really nice. I mean, I still keep my hands close to the wheel. I know there's ways to not put your hands on the wheel, but the car will tell you. It knows if you're not having driver input. Yes. I think it's good technology. I don't know if Elon's uh, autonomous driving computers are ready to go. Thanks. All right, Bill, thanks for calling in. Larry, what do you say? Yeah, Bill's comment is uh, uh, directly on target uh, because these technologies, for instance, backup cameras. Backup cameras are wonderful because they, uh, they, they alert you uh, because you can see and you can develop a backup camera that's very sensitive at night. And uh, and so if there's uh, an animal or a human being or traffic or whatever, they're wonderful because many times uh, with the design of the rear window and the way the headrest supports are put in, it's very difficult to see backwards and especially backing out like I was talking about before. I hate backing out in crowded parking lots. Yep because you never know if there's cross-traffic. So on long trips, this is what I was talking about, you know, in terms of the rain and the adaptive cruise control, Bill's comments right on, because it uh, alleviates a great deal of driver fatigue, because if you're in a traffic, uh, let's say, interstate, it allows you to, uh, let's say, uh, relax a little bit. You're still attentive. But the adaptive cruise control uh, alleviates the need for you constantly to speed up, slow down, brake, accelerate, uh, in order to keep pace with the traffic in your lane. Let's take another call. we got Tony on KVEC. Hey, Tony. Hey, I'm driving a car right now that's got a heads-up display. It's telling me how fast I'm going. It's giving me a little sign that says the speed limit's 65 miles an hour. It hasn't told me to slow down yet, but... Adaptive cruise control is cool. That's a wonderful way to drive. It does slow you. It'll actually come to a stop and uh, accelerate again without you even having to do anything. The only uh, the blind spot monitoring system is cool. Uh, the car that I have also has 3D cameras around it, so when you're backing up, you can see everything around you as you're backing up. Um, night vision for uh, night driving in dimly lit places. My point being is that all this stuff is wonderful until it's not, and then it gets really expensive to fix. Um, I had one of my customers say, oh, by the way, uh, who's going to pay for the damage on my bumper since my backup camera and my backup sensors failed at the same time and I backed into a post? I said, well, you're going to have to contact a manufacturer on that because you have to take some responsibility. All right. We'll talk about that. Tony, thanks for checking in. That raises the issue that you mentioned earlier, Larry, about liability. Yeah, well, Tony's point is is uh, also right on target because uh, uh, all this expensive electronics means that a car today is is less that uh, that 
transportation vehicle we, we know traditionally, and it's much more of a uh, computer because all of these sensors are all working, hopefully, in, in uh, synchronicity with the driver. And if you have a problem, and a problem could be something like uh, trying to jumpstart a car, and uh, if there's a surge of electricity, it can wipe out computer chips in your vehicle. And those computer chips are very expensive to replace, and it means that the electronics of your car are going to be affected by things like hacking. Uh, all the electronics in cars are not totally secure. There have been instances of where people are able to hack in through the, by hacking the key fobs that are wireless. You can hack into the entertainment system of cars. And uh, as the cars become more of the Internet of Things, all the security problems we have with the Internet of Things, where people can come in and they can break into your local, uh, your, your home uh, computer network and see, for instance, on all the cameras in your home what you're doing. Uh, the same thing holds true for cars. Cars can be hacked. And you can imagine that if you have cameras on cars, is that, for instance, you could put, uh, if, and, and one of the great uh, conveniences are QR codes, you could put a QR code out there that conceivably could introduce a malware uh, virus into the software of cars. All right, Larry Martinez is with us talking about driverless cars and what's happening on the horizon. We'll come back for a final segment. We're live, we're local. It's Hometown Radio. We're talking about driverless cars with Dr. Larry Martinez. If you want in on the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Larry, we have a listener texting to remind us of the big story last August, how a lot of these people up in San Francisco and the driverless cars were just doing it to have sex somewhere. <laughs> uh, so it's not the Mile High Club, is it? Uh, the the Mile Long Club. Yeah, the mile long club. The longest the mile, yeah. You got to go in the car, you got to stay at least a mile, then you're a member of the mile long club. Mm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But this is a this is coming. This is, I don't know, in our lifetime, but it's it's the future. Yeah, but the people in San Francisco, they were being constantly videoed also while they're sitting in the cars. So uh, the, uh, you know, privacy uh, is, is a thing of the past increasingly because it used to be if you, went, if you went into your car, you were in sort of a Faraday cage and uh, you, were, you were cut off from the outside world. And now all that's changed because everything has to be connected to everything else. And the future of driverless cars is going to require... Uh, that when roads are being built, that they are built now with the uh, design intended to assist driverless cars with some degree of automation in them to be able to more safely navigate the road. Let's take another call. We've got Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn. Hi, Dave. Hi, Carolyn. Um, I have a question. Hi. Um, I have uh, Ford Escape, and I've had... 
Um, no, I don't have a Ford. Oh, come on, Carolyn. Yeah, Escape. I'm sorry. And it's all electronic, okay? Right. And I had another one. It was a Ford Focus. It's all electronic. Well, I had problems with my Ford Focus, and my battery kept going out. I had it repla- kept replacing it, and I said, there has to be a short somewhere. And they said, well, we don't see that there's a short, but I was replacing it often. And by the time I was done, I, and I got, I sold it, it didn't work. So it wouldn't start. And so if there's an electronic problem, do the kids, or the people now that work on the service of cars, do they understand what they're doing when it comes to the electronics in, this, in the cars? Yeah. Everything is electronic driven, and the other ones were, I had an edge, and it wasn't like that. If something goes out, they could go and fix the sensor, but they wouldn't. Yeah, here it's like, how do they um, diagnose all that to find out what the exact problem is? All right, we'll throw that to my guest. Carolyn, thank you very much for calling in. Appreciate hearing from you. Larry, that is a challenge for automotive repair these days, isn't it? Oh, Carolyn just opened up the uh, Pandora's box of all sorts of uh, of terrible things that, uh, for instance, it happened to us because there was a mouse that uh, got into our blower motor, and one of the big problems with, uh, with all this electronics and all the wiring is the fact that you could be parking your car someplace where little creatures come in and start gnawing off because they like eating the uh, the insulation on the wires, causing short circuits. Yeah. And it could be somewhere hidden that only a little tiny mouse can get into in your car. And you can, you can have your whole car uh, be uh, made inoperative by uh, a little rodent. All right, we got Scott in San Luis. Hey, Scott. Hello, uh, Dave. Hello, Larry. Hey, Hello, Scott. Craig. Hi. Uh, I, I spoke about this before with another guest, Dave, and this is about the, the, the auto um, drivers that have to drive the freight vehicles. You know, um, a driver cannot drive more than 500 miles. That's their limit. And uh, Tesla has developed the vehicles. They just, uh, for some reason, governments are either kind of pushing back on them or they're waiting to uh, bring them out. But Tesla does have a vehicle that can go 800 miles uh, it, it completely, uh, you know, eliminating the driver. So I would think that the solution of the future is if, if they're going to go that route, let's see the next 10 years, that if they're going to go automotive, um, they, they're going to they're want to put a driver in the vehicle and just sit and monitor the vehicle. Larry, what about that? Well, this is what everybody would, would like because it would uh, – uh, there's a real problem uh, of the, of the tra- trucking companies and getting drivers. Uh, you know, if you're on the freeway, you can see all these ads on, on other trucks, you know, trying to recruit drivers. So it's, it's not an easy life to, to be a truck driver. And so any uh, technology that makes that uh, more uh, pleasant and, uh, and, and less risk, uh, risky is going to be something that's going to be very attractive as well. It's like, it's like uh, you know, uh, the scanners at supermarkets, you know, it used to be you had to find the price tag and then type in the price and all that, and today it's just scanned in. Scan, scan, scan. What else, scan, Scott? Scan, 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 right. Scott, what else? No, no I said the clock is ticking. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for coming on the air, Larry. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, all right, Scott. Uh, thank you. All right, Larry, i got about 90 seconds before we wrap things up. What else do we want to say about driverless vehicles? 
Well, I think that uh, Tesla has to be saluted for being one of the, uh, the the real pioneers in all this. But when you're out in front, you're also, you know, getting all the headwind. And so uh, it's a very, very fascinating thing. And I think that it's just in time for all of us aging boomers. By the time we get too decrepit to drive, we won't have to because it's all going to be autonomous. Well, this would help me because I'm, I'm trying not to drive too much at night anymore yeah exactly exactly why why should we be putting our lives at risk uh driving in uh very challenging conditions very challenging road conditions and so forth when uh computers can make it as safe as uh, we are in an airliner how do these vehicles do in bad weather well, that's, that's the example I was bringing up of the adaptive cruise control. When we most needed it on this rainy night in Nebraska uh, to keep our distance uh, from the uh, truck in front of us that was spraying us with huge amounts of water, it uh, made the uh, sensors inoperative. The water put the sensors out of operation when we most needed them. Hmm. All right, Dr. Larry Martinez, always a pleasure. Happy holidays. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, happy holidays to you and to all your listeners, Dave. All right, Larry, thank you. Off we go. We've got ABC Radio News. Clive Pinder up next explains British royalty to us. Is that possible? This is Hometown Radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.